In this interview, we'll be having a conversation with Nicole Burgess. Nicole is a licensed psychotherapist and leadership coach to introverted, sensitive, purpose-driven professional women. She is also the host of Soul-Filled Sisterhood podcast and founder of the Self-Care Summit, Improve Your Bottom Line and Your Personal Life. Over the last 15 years, she has coached, guided, and collaborated with over a thousand women. She helps them break free from perfectionism, demote the inner critic, embrace their fears through action, and grow professionally without sacrificing their personal life. As a result, they are more productive at work, have more meaningful relationships, and no longer sacrifice their well-being for others. Nicole, welcome and so and thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited about this conversation. Well, I'm excited as well. Communication. Its effective use is the key to success in business, relationships, and life. Yet, we're never taught to use communication in a way that is effective, productive, and positive. The result? Interactions that lead to overwhelm, stress, discontent, lack of motivation, poor relationships, and the feeling of not being fully heard. We're engaged in a permanent tug of war, not the true flow of proper communication. Is there a way to fix this? Can the way we communicate truly be the key to achieving balance and success in all aspects of our life? Join me, Marcy Amaro, as we explore the answers to these and other communication, influence, connection, and success questions here on Sincerely Speaking. I want to start by talking about what perfectionism is because we don't really stop to think enough about what perfectionism really is and the effects it can have on all of us and how we should be looking at it. So could you give us a working definition so we're all on the same page? Yeah, so perfectionism really is so much about fear of what other people think. And so, you you know, it may be the fear of you taking risk in your business. It may be fear of how you're parenting. It may be the fear of you just trying something new. But because you're so concerned about that feedback, you may or actually may not actually get from other people, but it stops you. And it's, it's subtle. I mean, perfectionism really is like this thief of joy and really can keep you playing small and feeling very disconnected from your loved ones. Wow. And the, in my opinion, and correct me, please, but I think that the trick about perfectionism is that on its surface, it might seem like a good thing because uh-huh. you're striving to do something awesome. But then underneath, it's corroding and doing all these other things, right? Yes. So there's a healthy, like, striving. You're you're trying to do things well. You're learning new things. And it's like, it can be a healthy stress. But if you're doing it from a place of fear, which is more of a a place of constriction, like, I'm so worried about what other people are going to think, that's where it's unhealthy. So it's not, we're not saying for people to not strive for different things and learning new things. It's just where, is it fear-driven or is it more from, like, no, this is my inner drive to say this is what I want to do. Cool. So if we are trying to identify perfectionism in ourselves and others, that is the delineating factor, right? Yes. Is it starting? Is it starting from fear or is it starting from a place of just striving for something? Yes. Yep. Cool. Now, what effects have you noticed that perfectionism can have on ourselves, our state, and our ability to connect? So typical, like physical um, negative uh, responses that I see in people from adults and from from 
younger people, right, is you may have stomach aches more often, you may have trouble sleeping, you may have just like you're going to the bathroom a lot more often because you've got some irritable bowel stuff going on. Those can be some physical signs. You may have some anxiety slash really perfectionism going on. It can also get into more like rigid thinking, all or nothing thinking. I'm always doing this or nothing ever works for me. Very kind of black and white called polarized thinking. And again, that can happen in all different age ranges if we're in that rigid thinking. The other thing is you can, like for us, for adults, it can be, it can take the form of more like being a workaholic. You're constantly working. You struggle shutting off at the end of the day. Even when it's family time, you're not really truly emotionally present because you're thinking about all these other things and like, oh, can we just hurry up and get done with this? But I really want to spend time, but I just can't even slow it myself down. And oh my gosh, you're just constantly stressed. Mm-hmm. Wow. And we are seeing a lot more um, of our teenagers as well talking oh, yeah. about, oh, I'm so anxious, or I am so mm-hmm. stressed, or I am so overwhelmed. That plays a lot, or it has a lot to do with this sense of perfectionism, right? Yes. And in my clinical business, right, when I'm seeing that in, in young adolescents to teenagers, I often know it's learned behavior too. We learn that from those around us and no, I'm not making any parent wrong. Just saying paying attention to that self-awareness is a big key. Like where am I learning this from and what do I need to do to shift that? So for kids, it's like, what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on just their academic scores and what kind of colleges they get into or what kind of jobs they have or who they're talking to and trying to control so much, they internalize that as like, I'm either a good or a bad person and I have to perform in order to be loved and so there's a ton of mixed messaging that can happen and it can it can start really young when it does becoming an adult then it really is ingrained in that mindset and so if we can unlearn that a younger age with that flexibility and being more emotionally um, well being resilient but more using the emotional intelligence you'll have a lot more healthy happy life because you're just like, eh, sometimes this works, sometimes it doesn't, and it's much better that way. So that kind of leads into my next question. We all know that we live in a very highly competitive, high-stakes world. I mean, from school to career, kids are being exposed to this sense of you have to perform younger and younger and younger each year. Um, Is there really a direct correlation between these two elements, like that high stakes competitive and perfectionism, and what can we do to help it a little bit, maybe? In my opinion, I would say yes. I mean, with our technology advances that continue, we see a lot of that through social media, right? For, again, adults and for young, for adolescents that they take these quick little snapshots and like, oh, their life is perfect. Oh, they're doing all these things. And it's like, no, no, no. (laughs) That is like just what's in front of the camera. You don't see all the meltdowns beforehand or the stress before and after that sort of stuff. And so part of undoing that, instead of focusing so much on, again, like kind of academic scores or, you know, are you getting all the promotions that you want to in life or are you making all the money that you want to make? Really focus on what are you striving for? 
How are you doing that? Um, are you really being resourceful? And when you start to focus on more of that growth mindset, which is what Carol DeWick talks about in her um, book, that growth mindset, you instill, again, truly more of the resiliency because there's, there's flexibility in your thinking. There's fluidity versus that rigid thinking, the all or nothing. It always happens, never happens, or you catastrophize. If it happened once, it's going to happen again, and you don't know that. When we start to tap into our own resourcefulness and you really are raising your children that way, they're using their critical thinking skills. They're really recognizing that if they make a mistake, that's all it is. It's a mistake. They can learn from that and that they don't deem failure is like the end of the world because a failure is an event. It's not a person, mm -hmm. but oftentimes that gets internalized as, oh, I'm, I'm a bad person, which can get into, again, a whole different topic, but a shame cycle, mm -hmm. right? And you, you're stuck in that. And it's like, that doesn't help you really go for that striving. If you're taking healthy risk, calculated risk, good for you look at you go. I mean, those are things to be celebrated, not to be penalized because you're trying something new. Yeah. That's truly how we learn and grow is trying new things. Um, my area of focus, my area of expertise is communication, right? So I have mm -hmm. to ask you in terms of our verbiage, instead of the, in terms of the language that we use with one another, as parents, what should we look out for and what little tweaks can we maybe make in the language that we're using um, with our kids to help with all of this? So there's still, we know through research, there's actually bias that happens starting around the age nine between boys and girls. And I'm just gonna stick with just the typical stereotypes mm -hmm. that go with that. But when we talk about boys, we really allow them to like excel and try new things where girls, it really does come back more to that perfectionism. And so if we're paying attention to like, hey, so what'd you learn in school today? Oh my gosh, I didn't learn anything. It's like, really? In all your classes, you didn't learn one thing. Just tell me one thing that you've learned. And then even celebrate like one, what's one thing you, you failed at today? Being able to celebrate that can help them start to learn. It's like there's going to be this ebb and flow and reminding your kid that if they didn't do well on a certain homework assignment, if they didn't do well on a certain quiz or test, again, that's one thing out of the whole scheme of life. It's one moment in time. So it goes back to them. It's like, so what did you learn from that? Well, I learned that I need to study a little more for this topic, or I need to ask a little more help, or maybe I need some tutoring. It's like, beautiful. I love how you're asking for help. There's nothing wrong for asking for help. That's how we advance as humans, learning from one another, getting help from one another. We don't live all by ourselves and all of that. So I think it's really important to celebrate your kids' wins and also celebrate their failures. And when you role model that as an adult, you again, you start to show that resiliency, you start to show that you're resourceful and your kids are picking up on all of that. Yeah, so as parents and looking at ourselves first, right? Because yes. ultimately we can only change ourselves. So Correct. <laughs> looking at ourselves first. What kinds of things can we do to build our own awareness of both our perfectionistic tendencies mm -hmm. and the way we might be passing that on to our kids? So something that we talked just briefly at the beginning, like look at like how many hours of work are you, are you actually working? And is there avoidance of spending time with your loved ones or thinking you need to do it all? Is that really true? Is there things that you can let go of, delegate, you know, something to that effect? How often are you spontaneous? 
do you try new activities or is there a fear of, oh, if I fail, you know, what are people going to think of me? So how are you taking risk and doing new things? How are you talking to yourself? Oftentimes with perfectionists, they've got a really loud inner critic and it is highly critical. So how do you talk to yourself? Are you gentle with yourself? Are you kind to yourself? If not, odds are, you know, you're going to start to build up your own irritability. And if your kid asks you for something and you're like in this mindset, it's like, I just made the huge mistake at work today or doing this and I just suck as a person, as a parent. Oh my gosh you're going to start yelling at your kid or you're going to be more irritable to them. And then you've broken that moment. So go back and do a repair, apologize. But as you start to pay attention to like, how do I even talk to myself? Odds are you're going to see how you talk to your child as well. Mm. And it's about building your own self-compassion and having forgiveness for yourself, for your own mistakes. Well, that's huge. For some reason in our society, we seem to have developed this idea that as parents, we need to have this facade of being perfect all the time, of not breaking down, of not making any mistakes. What do you say to that tendency? It, it's, it, I'm going to say it's silly because it's just not humanly possible. We're all humans. We all have our own filters. We all have our own experiences. And so the more we know ourselves, and the more we stay curious with what am I telling myself? How am I then conducting myself out in the world and with other people? That's how you're learning. Am I staying in alignment with my own values? And when I do that, you know, your children, they're going to have their own value set. You're teaching them from what you know, but they're going to morph and change, which is beautiful because they're separate human beings than you. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to control everything, it's totally illusion. And I think the pandemic has really helped everybody really gain a, it, awareness in that, right? It's like we, we pretend as if we have more control over things and people. And it's reality is the only thing you've got control over is yourself, like you said. Mm-hmm. And when we keep coming back to that, then it's like, oh, okay. So, if I learn that and maybe it doesn't work for me anymore, I can unlearn it and do something different. Wow. Have a lot of grace with yourself as parents because you're learning as you go. And children are really beautiful teachers of sometimes where your own weaknesses are. Learn from that, embrace it and saying, if it works beautiful and if it doesn't, that's okay too. But your kids are going to learn from that as well. Awesome. So we're in essence giving ourselves permission to be human, even yes. in right. <laughs> yes. Please, please. <laughs> so it's okay for a parent to admit in front of a kid, "I messed up," or yes. to relate a difficult situation they had at work, because we yes. tend to want to keep all that away from them. But they need to hear our process too, right? Well, absolutely. So if, if you don't ever want your children to see you and your spouse or partner fighting, I don't mean like an all out type fight, but if like, if you're arguing about something, there's a conflict, it's okay to, for your children to see that it's also then okay for them to see how you've resolved that conflict, right? Because then they get to see, here's what healthy conflict and resolution can look like. It's okay to say, hey, mom and dad are actually human because as as little kids developmentally, they really do hold parents as kind of like their heroes. They hit the adolescent stage that starts to flip and then the kids know everything, parents know nothing. But as you're role modeling this back and forth, they're starting to see it really is okay to make mistakes. Remember, you are the role model for your kids. 
And so when you're talking about your mistakes, when you're coming back to do that repair work and apologizing for very specific behaviors you did with your child, that shows them they can do the same with you versus you're expecting it only goes uphill. It's like, uh uh-uh, it's got to go back and forth. And they're going to do that with their friends. Mm -hmm. They're going to do that as adults because they're very comfortable with owning their own mistakes and repairing that relationship. Yeah, and we need kids to learn from us how to have those confrontations in a way that is productive, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Great of confrontation. Yeah. So in in, in essence and at the end of it, or or at the foundation of it all, I should say instead, um, we need to start respecting both emotions and experiences as neither good or bad, simply being and see if we can get from them, right? Yeah. You know, I often hear people will say, well, that's a negative emotion or that's a positive. To me, emotions is an emotion. There's not a good or a bad. It's either, I call it more like high elevated to low elevation. High elevation is like joy, gratitude, compassion. And so literally that's like your heart center and that's elevating it that way. And so it literally will shift even how you're thinking, how you're feeling overall. Low elevated is more constricted, like sadness, frustration, anger. And you get, if you think of a funnel, that higher elevated emotional state is up here and you've got more opportunity and you can, you're just, you're more resourceful up there. When you sink more into that lower elevated state, things become much more narrowly focused and you're going to focus only on the stuff that isn't working. And so it's getting yourself back out of that. And that's where it is having that self-compassion, building up your own resiliency. You can then, instead of reacting to situations, you start to actually respond to situations. Mm-hmm. We're all going to feel various emotions throughout the day and being able to articulate that and share that with your kids, they start to learn their own emotional intelligence through you modeling that to them as well. Wow, that's outstanding. Um, so as we are looking at our kids and as we're trying to help them develop this resilience and all these things, we know we can't really ultimately change anybody else, but is there anything we can do to help them become more aware of some of the tendencies that might not be in their best uh, service helping them so much. Yeah, so if you hear your your daughter, your son really being hard on themselves, like, oh, I'm so stupid because I didn't get, you know, that A on that quiz today and I knew the information. It's like, wow, you're, from my opinion, you sound like you're being really hard on yourself. It, it hurts my heart that you're calling yourself stupid. I find you very resourceful and that you do this. So what do you think needed to happen or what do you think you could change for the next quiz, the next test? You know, and if they're like, I don't know, ask them, are they open to your feedback? Mm-hmm. And then maybe you can share some ways that you've, you know, dealt with some of these failures in the past mistakes in your own past and how it's helped you and what you've done differently that way they get to see it's like you're hearing it's like man that's a harsh inner critic coming forward and it it is hard for a parent to hear that they don't want their child in pain but it's i don't need to fix it for them i want to reflect some of that and then ask are they okay with hearing some of my own reflections if they're like nope i don't want to hear it's like okay and let them be where they are Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. So it's a little bit about teaching them that metacognition, right? That looking inward and figuring out what is my own process? What am I really doing? Is this really serving me in the way that I want it to serve me, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And again, truly, if, if, if we've got such harsh 
comments going through, like I call it the hamster on the wheel, if those are repetitive thoughts, and we do as humans, man, oh man, 80 to 90% of what we tell ourselves is repetitive. It's day in and day out, the same of the same of the same. And if we're not conscious of what we're saying to ourselves, we take it from being young all the way up to adulthood, and then we think, this is just the way it is. And when we start to have that awareness, it's like, oh, uh-uh, no, that's not true. I heard this from different places, or I thought I needed to own that, and it's not mine. I can move forward and change your inner critic more into your inner coach that is more helpful and more supportive than knocking you down. Wow. And let's let's dive just for a second into that distinction, inner critic versus inner coach. Can you give us a distinction? Yeah. So like your inner coach can be like, dude, look at you, you least the attempt this you studied for those five hours or you took a risk and you asked that person out you know or you said this to mom and dad oh my gosh look at you you took the risk that's more of the inner coach to look at what you did do the facts versus oh and that does it stinks that it didn't work out or yeah I see that you feel disappointed and that's okay you tried it you learn from it versus the inner critic is like, why on earth would you even do that? That was just stupid to even try that. Well, of course it's not going to work out. And it's like, Hey, thanks. But unless you have some facts to actually add value to my taking a risk, you can just take a back seat over there and you start to really train yourself. You get quicker at recognizing the inner critic that wants to tear you down, which is truly fear-based mm-hmm. versus the coach that is much more like, Ooh, look at me stretch. Look at me try new things. I love how that I'm doing it, even though it doesn't always work out and it wouldn't, but I wouldn't know that unless I tried it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. So I know we've been hinting at different things throughout, but can we summarize and maybe list two or three things that we can do when we start recognizing these perfectionistic and not, uh, and these tendencies that don't serve the people that we love to help them maybe start recognizing them in themselves and using it in a more productive and more helpful way? Yeah, I think go back to what we were just talking about. If you are really critical of yourself, it's going to come out and how you are communicating with loved ones, how you're communicating with colleagues, you're going to find things wrong with others because you're thinking you're such a bad person or you can't do things well and start to pay attention to again what are you telling yourself and as you do that that's where some of that resilience can build in because you can be more kind to yourself Um, the yelling goes down because you're kinder to yourself you're more compassionate to yourself if you were so consumed by like oh if I try this new thing if I build my own website if I send out this email and there's mistakes and oh my gosh what are people going to think It's like, oh, wait a minute, I don't know what they're going to think. And it's none of my business what they think. Unless they tell me that directly, I can't have any conversation with them. Mm -hmm. So let other people stay on their sides of the lane. You stay in your lane. And so paying attention to like, am I coming from a place of fear of what others think? Or am I taking these risks that I know will help me grow as a person, help me grow as a parent so that my children also see that I'm resilient and they become resilient too? Is it okay to ask a child when they make a very self-critical comment, where is that coming from? What made you say that? Is it okay to ask something like that? Yeah, because now you're coming from a place of curiosity. And again, you're role modeling to them. It's okay to even like challenge our own thoughts of like, 
where on earth did that come from? What is that? <laughs> and so when we start to learn being more curious, it's like, is this something that's trying to teach me? Is it something that I heard from somebody else and I took it on? And if a kid's like, well, I don't know where it came from. It's just like, you know, I need to do everything perfectly. It's like, wow, are you getting that from, you know, me, your parents, or are you hearing that somewhere else? Because that that's hard for me to hear how critical you are on yourself. So they can start to hear again. It's not their job to take care of you as the parent, mm -hmm. but you can share your experience of hearing them yeah. um, talk critical of themselves. And in reflecting and telling them and saying it back to them, they hear it sometimes for the first time, yep. right? Yes. Sometimes they repeat it, but they're not aware that they're repeating it. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating, right? When, whether I work with adolescents or I work with adults, sometimes that loud inner critic that is going on, they don't even hear that they're telling themselves they're stupid or that they don't know enough. And it's like, do you know you're saying that? And they're mm -hmm. like, well, no, because it literally is such a loop. They just, they don't hear it anymore. And when you reflect it back, it's like, oh, it's like, would you say that to your best friend? Mm -hmm. No. Would you say that to your five-year-old that they're stupid? Well, No then we need to change what you're telling yourself up here because that's coming out in all different kinds of ways. Wow. Is there anything else that I might not have asked that I should have that we're missing in this conversation? I, you know, I think we really kind of touched on so much, whether it, one, you're starting to, pay more attention to what you're telling yourself. Again, that self-awareness that way, but also pay attention to those behaviors. Am I truly taking risk? Am I working 13 hour days when I truly don't need to? It's one thing if your job is like requiring it for a time short, you know, a short time period. Am I really critical of myself? Am I critical of others? Just starting to just observe your own thoughts, observe your behaviors. It's not about judging it. It's just kind of like zooming out a little bit and just kind of exploring, like look at it from a different perspective. Because if you've learned it, you can unlearn it. Hmm. That's powerful. So you have a 10 signs you might be a perfectionist quiz or a resource that you want to share with all of us today. So yeah, it's, it's basically, it's an email that they can get. And then there's some follow-up emails that go with it. Like kind of where did it come from and more things like that. Cause we didn't tap into all of them so that they go out to Nicole Burgess coaching.com forward slash perfectionist. They can sign up for that email and get more information so they can get really curious. Like, Oh, how often does that show up? <laughs> yeah. It's important to shine a mirror on ourselves sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. And if they want more resources, either about perfectionism or introversion or highly sensitive, and especially women that might want to work with you, they can also go to NicoleBurgessCoaching.com, right? Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this conversation, Nicole. I want to sincerely thank you for spending this time with me today. I know you have a million things you could be doing, so I appreciate you tuning in. If you have found value in this conversation, please share it with others. And as a thank you, I'd like to invite you to download a free copy of my Tough Talks checklist, which will walk you through how to transform even the most difficult conversations into tools for connection, respect, and collaboration. Simply visit marciamaro.com for details. Until next time, I'm Marcia Amaro, and this has been Sincerely Speaking.